Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Room for a small one. Hello and welcome to episode 38. Yes, if you're marking your scorecards now, that's episode 38 of the Real Football Cast. I'm your host, Dan Tracy, and in the next 30 minutes, I'll be dissecting all the hot topics in football. Yes, I'm going to be doing something different today as I'm off to Tottenham Man City for a number of hours, so it means I'm a bit pushed for time. Don't despair though, instead of getting one episode this week, you're getting two. I've just split myself in half, not literally. So, I best do some social media bits first, otherwise I'll be talking to the Abyss once more. First, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at StanTracy983. Anything show related, send it my way. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. And if you use that platform, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you're not a fan of all the Zapple, you can also find me on SoundCloud and Acast. While the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. As you should know by now, the Real Football Cast is sponsored by Loserpool. What is Loserpool, I hear you ask? It is the company behind the new game, Last Man Standing, one which is free to enter. If this has grabbed your interest, then be sure to visit loserpool.com and create an account. Especially as there's a new prize pool which guarantees a winner £1,000. Something you won't want to miss out on. The odds of winning are great, they're even better if you sign up. Right then, it's time to go live. Where should I go first? Let's go to Wembley, of course. With Saturday, May 18th being inked in the football calendar a long time ago, all that was needed were two teams to take up the invite to play in this season's FA Cup final. And thankfully, we now have them, as both Manchester City and Watford have put themselves another trip to Wembley. The final will see two Spanish master tacticians square off in the technical area, and although Pep Guardiola will undoubtedly attract the majority of the attention, Javi Grazia will not be shy of the limelight either, and especially after masterminding such an incredible semi-final win. Manchester City's win over Brighton in the first of the semi-finals was the more routine of the victories, and one that keeps their hopes of completing an unprecedented quadruple trophy wins this season very much alive. However, there was all manner of drama in the other semi-final, with Watford coming from 2-0 down to then beat Wolves by three goals to two. And although there were jubilant scenes for the Hornets, they will hope that their Wembley celebrating does not stop there either. Going into the final, the pundits will undoubtedly view Watford as the underdogs, and this is a view that's shared by the bookmakers also. Now, I don't sort of cover usually the FA Cup odds 
and all that because of loser pool. You know, we don't really do that. But just to give you an idea of the sort of scale of the task that Watford are up against, Manchester City are short as one to three on to win the final. Watford the outsiders at odds of eight to one. Something that suggests that Watford will have their work cut out. And although a cup-winning fairy tale is a rare occurrence these days, that's not to say that David getting the better of Goliath is impossible either. Watford will only need to take inspiration from their 2013 Cup final, not their, sorry, Wigan's 2013 FA Cup final, and that also involved fellow finalists Manchester City. However, it was not the Etihad outfit that were playing the role of plucking underdogs that afternoon, were they? Because it was largely unfancied Wigan Athletic who did the unthinkable when Ben Watson's injury time hitter clinched victory, and subsequently the Latic picked up their first and still only FA Cup final victory to date. Results like this just go to show that anything can happen in a one-off football encounter. And if Watford are at their absolute best in just a few weeks, it could just as easily be they who are writing another chapter in the storied history of the FA Cup. Of course, Man City will be going to make history of their own by winning all before them, and after suffering such an embarrassing Wembley day out six years ago, they'll be in no mood to be made fools of once again. However, try telling Watford captain Troy Deeney that, and he won't care, will he, because he'll have nothing more than stopping this potential success from happening. The 30-year-old is undoubtedly the heartbeat of Watford, and although he's already dreaming of lifting that prestigious trophy, many will tell the bustling forward he doesn't have a chance. But in the FA Cup final, you always have a chance. And that is really uh, just rewards for Watford and their Premier League season, because, you know, it would be very easy for them to look at the Premier League standing and the FA Cup and think, oh, do you know what? It's not really worth the FA Cup, is it? You know, the prize money is minuscule to the uh, the prize which is staying up, the money that comes with it, the television jackpot, etc., etc., but they have been rewarded and, you know, fair play to them. I think you look at teams in and around them and teams, I wouldn't say they've been in a rush to sort of be uh, knocked out. Maybe they have. Let's take um, a team like Bournemouth. It must be very frustrating for them because ultimately they're always reaching their objective and that is survival. And you can't really complain at that because, you know, for a team of their stature, their size, no disrespect to them, but, you know, being in the Premier League is success in itself. But, you know... If you're a fan of the club, you're going to think we just want some sort of drama because the thing with Bournemouth is this: the season is relatively, you know, indifferent in terms of form results. You know, they pick up enough wins, they get to February, March, and the breaks just are on. You know, the season halts. The season stops after 28 matches, and they just coast literally to the end of the season on the south coast. The deck chairs are out, and that's it. And you think to yourself as a Bournemouth fan, you know. They're not really going to get relegated. You know, they're in a safe enough position pre-downturn of form to actually go on and have a proper tilt at the cup. Like they're not, they're not at an immediate threat. But unfortunately, the mindset is that they have to treat it that they are immediate threat. It's almost a case of, you know, what do teams from seventh to seventeenth, what do they live for in the Premier League? And the answer is not a lot, unless you are prepared to have a real good go at the FA Cup. And Watford have got their just desserts. You know, Bournemouth, whether they'll look at Watford next season as the inspiration and think, yeah, do you know what, maybe we should have a go at this. Maybe the fans will demand a go at it. Because for how long can they keep just having safety as the, the benchmark, as the be-all and end-all? You know, that, I'm sure they won a cup run. I don't think Eddie Howe is purposely thinking, sod the cups. But at the same time, there's no tear shed either. And I think that's a mentality that not just Bournemouth, but a lot of teams in and around them will have to rid. Not just, you know, to make their own futures better, to, to also make the FA Cup's future better. Because, you know, we always question whether it's in good health and all this. And I think what for getting to a final is always good because you have a a big six versus non-big six final, which is a lot more interesting than a big six versus big six final. 
And I was doing some research the other day um, in a sort of piece that I wrote, and out of the last 20 FA Cup finals, 18 of those have been won by a big six team. And also, you must remember that Tottenham haven't even featured in the FA Cup finals since 1991. So that's the big five. 18 of them. The only wins are the aforementioned one from Wigan in 2008. Sorry, 2013, I apologise. And Portsmouth in 2008. See, I've got my years mixed up. Those two wins are the only ones where the big team has not won their FA Cup final. And in most instances, I think it's 11 from 12 finals where you've seen the big five, let's call them, versus the non-big five. 11 out of 12 has gone to the big, gone to Goliath, shall I say, which perhaps makes you question why get to the FA Cup final if you're always going to lose. Well, you don't always lose. It's just the way things have panned out. And I think sometimes quality wins out in the end. But surely a streak of that magnitude has to come to an end at some point. Now, whether it's this year, I don't know. But hopefully, like I say, teams will look at Watford as the inspiration. I think, do you know what? We can have a crack at the cup. Let's actually go for it. No guts, no glory. Now, I'm not Premier League chairman who's weighing up 100 million in prize money versus 6 million. You know, I don't have that easy decision to make. Yeah, it's fine. Just go for it. What's a 94 million pound deficit? Quite a lot, it turns out. Whether those Premier League chairmen will be so fanciful, I doubt it. And I think that's a shame. And I don't really think that's a mindset that's going to change anytime soon. However, if Watford can win the FA Cup, then it might change. And I think hopefully this is almost a watershed moment in the FA Cup. We talk about good health and our team's going to be in it to win it and all that. And if Watford can just sort of do something, it just keeps it alive. You know, Wigan kept it alive for the next sort of few years. And it's just hit that sort of rut again. I think it just needs a little bit of a rejuvenation. Hopefully, we see it on May the 18th. As for Wolves, though, oh, you know they'll be looking at that thinking, how on earth do we lose? And the answer is quite simple. They didn't win the game. But without being flippant, 2-0 um, up, and not only 2-0 up, but 2-0 up with 11 minutes to go, they are almost home and hose, aren't they? But they weren't. And Gerard Delefeu, credit to him coming off the bench, with that amazing, some call it Messi-like goal. Maybe that's a little bit too high in platitudes, but still a good goal nevertheless. Um... You know, he sparked the revival. And at 2-1, you've always got a chance. You know, like in the FA Cup final, you've always got a chance. You can't just think, oh, OK, well, lucky losers and all that, 2-1. You know, you just got to go for it. And Watford did go for it. And credit to them. Troy Deeney, was it a penalty? I think it was. You know, Michael Oliver, he's given some iffy decisions as of late. But I think you saw it straight down the, the barrel, the gun there. No sort of doubt about his decision. I think it was the right one. And there was no messing with the penalty from Deeney. And from that point... You're sort of thinking, well, Wolves have, you know, they've almost won the game once. They're going to be so deflated in that period of 30 minutes. And I think Watford, the ascendancy, just flipped in their favour. And from there, there was only really going to be one team that won it. And Delefeu, um come off the bench and got his second of the goal. Uh, sorry, second of the game. And obviously he got his first off the uh, bench. He didn't just sort of score, go back on after that. That would be awful. And there would be an absolute multitude of errors there. But you get what I mean. Um, in the other semi-final, Brighton... Unfortunate not to uh, at least test City a bit more. Not a classic City performance, it must be said. I think Brighton pushed them. Um, City going ahead early might have taken the wind out of Brighton's sails. But credit to them, they kept going and going. Didn't have too many chances, but you would have thought with the chance they had, they would have at least scored one. One that springs to mind is Ben Murray, right on the line. Any other day, he sort of prods that home. Somehow Laporte gets there before him. And as things sort of stood, it was a City win. And I think, you know, on the balance of uh, the way the sort of two teams performed, it's not the sort of an unjust result. I think Brighton just lacked that final 
um, bit of quality in the final third. Whether Carl Walker should have got sent off for, I think, headbutts, a bit of a sort of, um, bit over the top. Because he won that sort of, I want to headbutt you, but I'm a footballer, so I'm just going to sort of brush your forehead and you're going to go down. We're all going to sort of make a meal of it. And I think, you know, that's kind of <laughs> what the scenario, how it played out. Booker was about right. Chris Hewitt was saying that he should have got sent off and, you know, 10 versus 11 changes the complexion of the game, which it would have. But I think um, you don't want to see players get sent off in FA Cup semi-finals, do you? So, um, so yeah, probably the right decision for him to stay on the pitch. Brighton fans probably won't agree with me, but it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, we know the FA Cup final then, don't we? Man City, Watford, maybe 18th. Book it in your diaries. Whether you watch or not, I don't know. But I think it will be more of an interesting cup final. And I think... Um, it will hopefully be the culmination of a good season for Watford. More of them in a moment, because first we need to talk the title race. And it just keeps ratcheting it up, don't it? The drama just keeps going and going and going. And Liverpool are back at the top as things stand. Time of recording is a Tuesday afternoon, so nothing happening until Friday in the Premier League. Nothing that affects the top two until Sunday when they both play. But as things stand, Liverpool with five matches to go for them are two points clear of Man City, who themselves have six matches to go. Pick a winner? I just can't. Well, actually, I will do in a bit. But as things stand, you know, you sort of look at it and you just think, every time you think you know he's going to win the Premier League, something sort of changes. And I think the fact that Man City just keep winning, and more importantly, they're asking questions to Liverpool that Liverpool keep answering. Now, with Liverpool, they've won their last four. They've not kept a clean sheet in any of those four, but they're grinding out wins. And I think that is always a good sign, that you might not be playing your best, but you're still doing what you need to do. And I think credit has to go to Jurgen Klopp and his players for doing that. I mean, it's been it's been nervy in some sort of cases, but, you know, trying to win the title is nervy. You know, if it was easy like last season, it would be boring. And I think at least fans, neutrals, at least are a bit more grateful that it's a two-horse race rather than a one-horse race this season. Um, yeah, I think we can all be glad of that. But as to who that horse is the first over the finishing post, well... Um, City will have the advantage in terms of games, but you've got to get the points on the board. That is really the most important thing at this point in the season. doesn't matter how many games in hand you have. If you don't win them, they're useless. And I think City, with the fact they've got to go to Palace on Sunday, more on that on Friday. I won't sort of talk about too much about league previews because that's going to be Friday's show. Um, yeah, they've got to go to Palace, a team that they've got beaten by at home early in the season, so that's not given. They've also got to welcome Tottenham in the league after playing them twice in the Champions League. So there's going to be a bit of familiarity, but also perhaps a bit of attrition as well. And also the small matter of a Manchester derby. So again, uh, <laughs> you know, you just can't call it. I mean, on paper, City will win the Premier League, but you don't win the Premier League or football matches on paper. Um, obviously, they won last Wednesday, a routine win over Cardiff. A defeat that probably paints the bottom three as the picture that it is. I mean, Cardiff, five points off of Brighton and Southampton with six games to go. They're running out of time. They're going to need to win at least two. So you're looking at two from six. And they've won eight all season. You know, miracles can happen. It's not impossible, but they've won one in six themselves. You just don't know where those two wins are going to come from. And I think as a consequence, the three teams in the drop zone now are the three teams that we'll see in the championship next season. And like I say, you know, City won that game over to Liverpool and they answered the question. They didn't answer it perfectly. Obviously, Shane Long with a rare goal. I mean, you don't see them quite often, do you? But he made it very nervy on the south coast for South, um, sorry, for Liverpool 
on a Friday night. Uh, but Liverpool's class shone through in the end. And I think, you know, going in level half-time, just ease the nerves. And I think they always had that little bit extra about them to kick on and get the win. More importantly, Mo Salah has scored that goal that ends the drought. The monkey's off his back, so to speak. And he'll now go into those last five games in Liverpool with a lot more belief. You know, I know with Liverpool that the burden has been carried also by the likes of Mane and Firmino. So it hasn't been necessarily a crisis that Salah, Salah sorry, hasn't been scoring. But, you know, even for a player of his talent, his ilk, that he's not going to just want to go, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm not going to want to score for the next, like, 14, 15 matches. He's going to want goals um, to sort of find his own groove. And I think now he's found that. Liverpool will only benefit from it. So um, I'll come to you in a bit with my prediction for who will win the title. I am going to nail my colours to the mast. But before I do... Let's look at the top four because that has turned another twist. Um, it just it just keeps turning, and I, it's really impossible to say who out of those four, like the title race, will actually um, book up third and fourth. I'm I'm going to have to in a minute, but you know it's going to take a very very brave man to do so. That is me, or is it stupid? Probably the latter. Anyway, Chelsea, they're in the incendiary at the moment. They're third. They played one game more than Tottenham Arsenal Manchester United, but again, points on the board is so more important at this time of the season. Obviously, it's irrelevant if, if every team won all their games in hand. And, you know, you'd think, oh, OK, well, we play one game more. We shouldn't have lost to, uh, to who did they lose to the other week? They lost to Everton, didn't they? Yeah, if they lost to Everton, if they beat Everton, they would have been fine. But that's something that will unfold in the next few weeks. However, points on the board, very important. And they're two points clear of Tottenham, three points clear of Arsenal, and five points clear of Manchester United, which is quite a gap for United to make up. Also for United, they are, well, say, three points behind Tottenham. They've also got a lesser goal difference. So technically, that's four points. For United, they're going to think to themselves, just how costly will that defeat to Wolves be last week? And it could be quite a lot. You know, we're not really going to know the answer till the final day of the season, till the final ball is kicked, when... Um, all the points are tallied up and we know who is third and fourth. It could well be that that defeat is the one that really does them over. You know, of course, they've lost two of their last three in the league. They lost to Arsenal as well. So the, the points on that was also going to be important. You know, you can't pinpoint single victories or single losses as the ones that go on and clinch this, that and the other. But if you are a United fan, you don't get top four. You probably will look at that spell of two defeats and three. And think that's probably where we blew it. At the same time, you know, you've come from such a far distance away. Um, it might be the fact that you had such a poor start on the arena, which really has done you over. At the same time, when you're on the precipice, you think, yeah, we're nearly there. Um, it must be very frustrating to be sort of clawing at top four and not get it. So a multitude of reasons, like I say, it's not necessarily one game that will define your season, but defeats can add up. And I think these recent ones could be the undoing. Whereas Tottenham... Obviously, they've had four defeats in their last six. Not great at all. One point from um, the last 18 on offer. Sorry, the last 15 on offer before they played Crystal Palace last week. And they won. Hurrah. We're back in the groove. And thankfully, the new stadium has been built. So much has been said of that. Whether that in itself is um, the catalyst for Tottenham to kick on in these final few games of the season, um, it will play some part. Let's say that. And I think... Um, I was there against Palace on uh, Wednesday. I'm not saying it was me that um, pushed them over the line. I'd like to say I did my bit, but, you know, I'd be uh, gloating somewhat. But really, with Tottenham, they've got four home games to come out of six. And also, they've got a very um, indifferent Bournemouth to play. 
So, of course, nothing's a given against uh, Bournemouth, not um, on the penultimate week of the season, but you'd probably think that that's a game that Tottenham will have to win. It might be even the week where they can actually clinch top four. Let's say that they win um, all their games, apart from Man City, up until Bournemouth. So that's, what, six games to go. If Bournemouth's the fifth game, four wins, pl- sorry, four matches played. Hope you're doing the sums at home. Three wins out of those four. So you probably... Well, you'd then be looking at 73 points after 36 matches. It might be the Bournemouth game where win there means that Everton game on the final day is a dead rubber. I hope it is, because I'm at that one, and that's going to be real nervy if it's not. Um, Arsenal, they've got four away games out of their last six, and on paper, they've got the easier fixtures. But as Sunday proved when they lost to Everton, they're a little bit indifferent away from home. If we look at their away form, obviously we can't on the podcast, but I'm going to look at their away form. They're 10th in the away table. 15 matches. They've lost six. So it doesn't feel with too much confidence. They're going to have to sort of pull their fingers out. Um, they're actually the third best at home, but they're not the best away from... Well, they're far from the best away from home. So that makes you think, um, for the fixtures they've got, they might sort of struggle to pick up wins. Because it's not necessarily points that will get them over the line. It's wins. Because really, draws are like defeats these days. You only have to look at the top of the Premier League. Liverpool have drawn seven this season, somewhat insulated by the fact they've drawn one, but Man City have only drawn two, but then they've lost four, so that almost sort of balances itself out. But could seven draws be their undoing? It might be when you consider that City have got that game in hand. So, you know, if they win that, then it could be that those extra draws to Liverpool is the one thing that actually ends up costing the league title. Again, we don't know until the final day of the season. Um, but yeah, Arsenal, they were very lackluster against Everton on Sunday. And that's going to be a worry for Unai Emery and everyone connected with the club. Um, you've got to add in Europa League exploits as well. Um, will those two extra matches have something on a knock-on effect? And also, will Chelsea and Arsenal sort of think, oh, actually, we're in strong positions, but is the Europa League still the, the path of least resistance? It probably is. But again, you can't really just decide to throw the, um, the top four race with such few games to go. You should really be able to factor them both in. You know, you're only really looking at um, two extra matches, the final would be played after the Premier League. So it's for Chelsea, it would be, what, uh, seven games between now and the end of the season, plus the Europa League final, Arsenal eight. That's not going to make t- players tired, is it? That should still be enough that you can um, sort of crack on with. But you're sort of almost looking at it twice a week. Have they got the squads to do so? Probably. Chelsea, if they just sort of mix things up a bit, although Sorry has now decided to be a bit more sort of loose with his squad rotation, I think he still might need to do... If that is going to be the case, they're going to compete on both fronts. The time will tell. You know, if they drop a few more points here and there, then they might just think, right, sod it, let's just go for Europa League. But again, it all depends on how they fare on Thursday nights. For example, if Arsenal are heavily beaten by Napoli, then they might think, well, actually, let's go for the Premier League and leave the Europa League to bed. You know, by the second leg, they can't just not play it. That would be interesting. But um, yeah, so there's going to be sort of yin and yang. It's, you can't really sort of um, dictate how the season's going to pan out in this a short space of time because you really don't know how the Europa League's going to pan out. In terms of the race for the seventh place, that's really, really heating up because Leicester moved to seventh. And I'll tell you what, the appointment of Brendan Rodgers has been an absolute masterstroke, hasn't it? Um, Claude Puel, the feeling was that he had to go, but many felt that what were the tragic circumstances that took place at the King Power this season, it would be a case of getting to the end of the campaign, shaking his hands, sending him out the exit door, thanks for your work, but no thanks. However, they pulled the trigger. Brendan Rodgers, I think the theory was, get him in, get him working with these players, let him see what he can use over the you know the course of, what, 11 league games, 
what he wants to keep, what he wants to get rid of, and then you can hit the ground running next summer, bang, you're away. Great start to next season. Even better than that, great start to his reign. I know he lost the first game to Watford, but since then, four wins out of four, and they're seventh. And I know they played a game more than Wolves, but all of a sudden, they're an end to puts them in the box seat to qualify for the Europa League. That is, of course, if Watford don't win the FA Cup final. So, Watford have dropped to 10th, but no real crisis just yet because there's only a point separating them and Leicester in 7th, and they've got a game in hand. So, they could just as easily uh, go back up to 7th. Of course, Wolves, they're 8th. They've got a game in hand also. The wild cards, perhaps, is maybe even Everton. They've won the last three. They're back in the mix. Um, it's going to be really interesting as to who finishes 7th. I think Watford are going to have to look at 7th place as almost the insurance policy because, obviously... If they win the FA Cup, they're in the Europa League. If they don't win the FA Cup, they um, wouldn't be um, in the Europa League if they don't finish 7th. So, they need to still um, finish in the league as high as they can. They don't have the, really the luxury of just sort of throwing the rest of the league away. They just can't. Because I think to get as far as they have, to not get into Europe, would be really, um, wouldn't be a failure. But I think, you know, they're, they're having relative success with their seasons. Usually, they're sort of dropping down like a stone at this point in the season. They're sort of sliding towards 14th, 15th. So even by that measure, they're having a good campaign. But, you know, they want more, and rightly so. And I think, oh, I don't know, it's really tough. But at least we've got something in that bracket to sort of hang our hats on, and it's something going to be interesting. Because we, as sort of neutrals, a relegation scrap is always the, the favourite thing to watch on the last day. I don't think we're going to get that. I think you're going to get, well, you might even get a title race, a top four race, and a top seven race all on the last day. If you do, you know, we'll be like pigs in muck, won't we? It's going to be... Absolutely excellent. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Wolves, they're going to look at their season and think, again, have we sort of got to this point and then almost, again, failed's probably a bit harsh, but, you know, to get to an FA Cup semi-final, nearly win it. They don't want to nearly get to 7th and not finish 7th, you know, miss out European football. Of course, a lot of people, even me myself, we forget they've been promoted, which would only magnitude their success even further. But to be considered the best of the rest for so long and then just fall away in the final furlong, is in danger of happening. They've only won two of their last six, and their sort of momentum is halting a bit. You don't know if that cup win, sorry, that cup defeat is going to um, knock further wind out of their sails. It, it can happen. It has happened in the past. Um, Everton, like I say, there could be the wild cards. Um, Marco Silva is a funny one, isn't he? He doesn't tell very good jokes, but in terms of the fact that every time you just think his head's on the chopping block, he then just does enough in terms of just alleviating that pressure. Because here you've got an Everton side who, well, what was it? They lost to um, Cardiff. No, sorry, they lost to Newcastle. Sorry, my bad. They lost to Newcastle after drawing 0-0 with Liverpool. And you thought, actually, after that 0-0 draw with Liverpool, a lot of it was obviously Merseyside-Dahl, but you thought, well, actually, yeah, they look a bit spirited. Undone all their hard work, and after being 2-0 up against Newcastle, and you thought, oh, actually, chopping block time. But since then, they've gone on to beat three... Uh, London-based clubs, which bodes well for Saturday when they play Fulham at Craven Cottage. More on that later in the week. But, um, yeah, if they keep that momentum going, there's every chance that they could be in a shout of a, a top-seven finish. So don't rule them out just yet. So then, right, it's time to nail my colours to the mast. I'm going to predict the uh, the top seven. You've heard it here first. Let's go. Right, it's going to be Manchester City in first, Liverpool second, Tottenham in third, Arsenal in fourth, Chelsea fifth, Manchester United sixth, Leicester in seventh. 
So there you have it. There's my bold predictions with only, what, four or five weeks of the season to go. I can't delay anymore. That's it. I'm going for it. So sorry, Liverpool fans, if you're out there. Don't send too much hate mail to my Twitter account. Um, but that's the way I think it's going to pan out. I think City will win it. I think that game in hand is just going to be the difference. Tottenham, I think they've got a favourable set of home fixtures, which will be enough to see them uh, qualify for the top four. Arsenal, I think they've got a favourable set of away fixtures, so they'll be fine from uh, that point also, as begrudgingly as it um, pains me to say. Chelsea, I think the fact they've got a five-point gap over United will just see them finish fifth. I also think they'll win the Europa League. Um, like I say, United six, I think, you know, they've had that excellent run of form under Solskjaer, but perhaps they're just hitting the skids at the wrong time. And Leicester, they've really got the momentum under Brendan Rodgers. I know Wolves and Watford have got that game in hand, but I still think Leicester will just keep going and going. I think they will get a very unlikely Europa League place because I think um, City will win the FA Cup as well. So bad news for Watford. Sorry, Watford fans, but that is my top seven. And I think that's about it for this first show of the week. I'll be back on Friday as I review all the Champions League action. And also, I'll be looking ahead to what happens in the Premier League this weekend. I'll have some form tips, your losable picks, all of that. Join me on Friday. So it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is The Real Football Cast in association with Loserpool. And until next time, goodbye. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.